Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'scatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, July 7th. Coming up, Kansas teachers say they feel overworked and underappreciated, and they're leaving in record numbers. We're micromanaged a lot, where we're told exactly what we're supposed to be teaching, when we're supposed to be teaching it. Plus, a small Missouri town is celebrating an important anniversary today. But first, some headlines. COVID-19 cases are trending up across the metro. KCUR's Laura Ziegler has more. The increases are not dramatic compared with the numbers during the worst of the Alpha, Delta, and Omicron spikes, but case numbers have grown. The rate of new hospitalizations reflects the upward trend. One month ago, there were 49 new COVID hospitalizations across the metro. Early this week, there were 62 new hospitalizations, up 14 percent over the week before. Kansas City, Missouri has consistently seen higher rates of hospitalizations than other metro counties. Data are compiled based on reported testing which excludes the increasingly popular at-home tests. The Kansas City Police Department says it has no plans to reinstate a horse-mounted patrol unit, despite a tweet from Mayor Quentin Lucas suggesting it. KCUR's Savannah Holly reports. After a quadruple shooting and multiple vehicle break-ins over the weekend, Mayor Lucas tweeted that the police department should consider bringing back the horse-mounted patrol unit to increase security and visibility. According to the Kansas City Police Department, the mounted patrol was cut because of staffing needs in the violent crimes division that are still present. A spokesperson for the department said that there are no plans to bring back the unit, but that changes in staffing can occur as they evaluate policing options. This fall, Kansas could face its worst teacher shortage ever. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports new research shows that frustration and stress, not low pay, lie at the heart of most teachers' decision to leave. As principal of Baser Linwood High School near Kansas City, Jared Furman was a rising star. He has two decades in public schools and co-chaired a state task force on graduation requirements. State leaders called him energetic, innovative, an example for other principals. And this summer, he's leaving. I'm going to go do uh, HR in the corporate world and, and give it a shot out there. The past few years have just been too much. Furman would often get to school before the buses at 7 a.m. and not leave until after a basketball game, around 15 hours later. There were days he never saw his wife and kids. And then there was all the hostility over masks or library books or whether the latest history lesson talked too much or too little about race. It just wears on you. It's just exhausting. And and I, I think I was just tired. He's got company. Researchers with the Rand Corporation surveyed thousands of teachers and principals this year. They wanted to gauge how teachers were feeling about their jobs coming out of the COVID pandemic and whether they had considered leaving. Here's what they found. A picture of stress and job dissatisfaction for many educators. That's Elizabeth Steiner, RAND's director of research. She says about three-fourths of teachers and 85 percent of principals experience frequent job-related stress. About one in four teachers said they were likely to leave their jobs by the end of the school year. Um, And teachers were more likely than other working adults to say that they were experiencing burnout. What does that mean for students? When teacher vacancies go up, student achievement goes down. That's because many schools have to cancel courses or cram more kids into a classroom. 
They rely more heavily on substitutes or teachers who aren't certified in the math or history or science courses they're leading. Teacher morale plummeted over the course of the pandemic. It hasn't rebounded. Students fell behind and teachers feel pressured to catch them up. They also feel overworked and underappreciated. During a meeting in the Blue Valley District last year, veteran teacher Diane O'Brien got emotional as she pleaded for people to back off the criticisms or risk losing more teachers. Now's the time for change. Something has to change. Kansas reported about 1,400 teacher vacancies this spring, nearly double the number two years ago. Numbers due in October will almost surely reveal an even worse teacher shortage. The same goes for principals and superintendents. Here's State Education Commissioner Randy Watson. We are worried that we're going to have an educator shortage that may be the most severe we've ever seen. The teacher shortage has been building for years, but mostly in specific areas like math, science, and special ed. Now it's even hard to find kindergarten teachers for classes like this one at Colvin Elementary in Wichita. Cindy Deitch recently retired after more than three decades teaching kindergarten in Wichita. She says the second guessing of teachers started to wear on her. We're micromanaged a lot where we're told exactly what we're supposed to be teaching, when we're supposed to be teaching it. Last year, Deitch had to test every student every quarter on more than 20 different reading standards. When she started, it was four. She says the constant testing made her feel like she wasn't actually teaching. We weigh the cow and we weigh the cow, but we don't have time to feed the cow because we're weighing the cow so much. Steiner, the RAND researcher, says school leaders should ask teachers what contributes to their stress and then ask for ideas to fix those problems. If there's anything district and school leaders can do to, to address the things that teachers find difficult about their job, even though that's not directly a mental health support, it could help improve educators' mental health. More vacancies could mean larger classes and even more stress on Kansas teachers. State leaders are looking at potential solutions, including team teaching models. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Suzanne Perez in Wichita. The Kansas News Service, based here at KCUR, is a collaboration of KMUW, KCUR, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Today is Sliced Bread Day in Missouri. It's the day that a bakery in Chillicothe unveiled the world's first ever bread slicing machine. But the origin of this pantry staple was almost completely forgotten. From the podcast of People's History of Kansas City, KCUR's Suzanne Hogan brings us this story. On the main strip of town in Chillicothe, Missouri, there's a large, colorful mural that says Home of Sliced Bread. It's the town's slogan and one of the things that Livingston County Commissioner Ed Douglas loves to talk about. Everyone knows the saying, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Little Caesars delivery. That's the best thing since sliced bread. Wagmire, we're on fire here. We are going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Chillicothe hosts an annual Sliced Bread Day, a festive affair with a parade, concerts, and a bread-baking competition. It attracts thousands of people to this rural town every year. But according to former reporter Catherine Stortz Ripley, less than two decades ago, the town had no idea it had this claim to fame. I wish I knew. I, I don't know how everybody pretty much forgot about it. For most of history, if you wanted a slice of bread, you had to take out a knife and do it yourself. But Otto Rowetter, a jeweler from Davenport, Iowa, had an idea for a bread slicing machine. 
By 1917, he invented just that, a giant metal box with a row of sharp blades pulsating up and down and side to side, but he had a hard time finding anybody who would want to use it. Baker scoffed at the idea. Rowetter reconnected with an old friend, a fellow inventor named Frank Bench, owner of the Chillicothe Baking Company. Frank agreed to give the machine a shot. They put an ad out in Chillicothe's local newspaper, and the next day, on July 7, 1928, sliced bread from Otto Rowetter's machine was made available to the world for the first time. Within two weeks, the amount of bread Frank Bench sold went up 2,000%. And the bakers were really knocking down his door, wanting it and um, production, and they just couldn't keep up with it. Uniformed sliced bread helped boost the sales of the dual-sided pop-up automatic toaster. You could get manufactured pre-sliced loaves like Wonder Bread in your supermarket. Despite the financial woes of the Great Depression and World War II, sliced bread became a staple in American households. Very noisy. Pam Kligerman works at the Grand River Historical Society Museum in Chillicothe, Missouri. It's a place where you can see early bread slicing technology and where one of the first Rowetter bread slicing machines is on display. And you know in 1943 the government banned bread slicing machines? I didn't know that. Why is that? Because of the war effort, because of the metal and everything. And I think it lasted about three months because all the housewives rose up and raised all kinds of a commotion. (laughs) Sliced bread wasn't just a success. It was a revolution. Yet neither of the original men who made it possible got rich. And the town of Chillicothe forgot about it. Frank Bench lost his bakery during the Depression, while Otto Rowetter sold off his machine patent rights. He passed away in 1960 at the age of 80. Four decades later, Catherine Stortz Ripley was doing research for a book and stumbled across an old newspaper article. It says sliced bread is made here. Chillicothe Baking Company, the first bakers in the world to sell this product to the public. At first, even she had her doubts. But a journey of sleuthing led her to a meeting with Richard Rowetter, the son of Otto, who was actually there that day in 1928. He had kept a scrapbook full of materials that told his father's story. It was incredible. And it just totally solidified that, yes, Chillicothe is the home of sliced bread. Ripley's discovery made international news, but it was Ed Douglas who immediately realized how it could become an opportunity for the town. I mean, this is something we can really build on. Funny thing is that when we first started this 20 years ago, my own family said, Dad, you're, you're embarrassing us. I mean, they just thought, <laughs> they, they thought this is silly, but interestingly enough, they don't say that anymore. You can still visit Frank Bench's old bakery where Otto Rowetter's machine sliced its very first loaf. It's the Welcome Center now. When you come into Chillicothe, you'll know which building it is. It's the one with the giant loaf of sliced bread on top. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Suzanne Hogan. You can hear the whole story of how Chillicothe invented sliced bread on A People's History of Kansas City, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Suzanne's story about the teacher shortage in Kansas, visit kcur.org, where you can also find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear why one business owner wants to rename a major street in Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.